0: Welcome to Solutions, where men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, on the show, we got another Taurus in the house, a spokesman of Constable Thinking, a man from chi a man who's a leader who always encourages you to use your mind first. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the humanitarian himself, I would say that ladies and gentlemen please give it up for Capriccio scats
1: hello what's up man how
0: are you i am well sir i'm so happy that you decided to come on today
1: my pleasure you mentioned coming out of the shadows how's my lighting can you see me
0: yes you look great man everything is is great and i'm, I'm super excited because ian burke told us about you and you answered yeah. the call for referral and we are really appreciative that you're taking some time out today just to help somebody you probably never will meet.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Ian Burke is definitely one of my favorite guys in the entire
0: world. So I'm,
1: (laughs) I'm very appreciative that he, you know, recommended me to do this.
0: Yes, absolutely. Let me ask you a question. What person did you meet or see that gave you the drive towards the man you are today? Who or what
1: defined you? Wow, that's an excellent question. Okay, we starting off like that? All right, all right. Um, Man, I would have to say my mother probably, uh, believe it or not, I didn't grow up with a father, but my mother was really, you know, uh, the dominant force and figure in my life. So I would probably have to say my mother and of course, my grandmother. So I grew up with my grandmother and my mom. Uh, I grew up with my mom in Los Angeles and then in Chicago with my grandmother. So I would spend the summers with my grandmother in Chicago and the school years with my mom in Los Angeles. But my eighth grade year and my tenth grade year, I spent with my grandmother in Chicago. So I really grew up, uh, you know, between my grandmother and my mother. But that's probably, or they were probably, the most inspirational figures in my life.
0: Talk to me about some of the gems your grandmother and your mother gave you. Do you remember anything they tell, told you that holds up to this day? What gem can you drop? What kind oh, knowledge can you pass? Man, and I, I remember great my women? grandmother.
1: My grandmother. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, okay. So now I remember my grandmother, she would always say the best lesson taught is the one bought. And so I try not to pay for expensive lessons, but I hear that ringing in my head often just in terms of <laughs> going through life and, you know, those lessons that you that you learn. And so my grandmother had a lot of things she would say, and in particular, she would say, don't be like a pig standing underneath the acorn tree, eating all the acorns and never look up to see where they're falling from. So that was her way to say, always mm-hmm. give thanks, praise to God. So. There's a lot of things that my grandmother would say, but those are the first things that come to mind right away.
0: Let's stay right there in the grandmother. To me, today's society, someone came across me and told me they don't think there's any more praying grandmothers because they're too young.
1: How, mm. do you feel,
0: how do you feel about that? Well, that's a very interesting thought.
1: I mean, there may be some truth to that. Uh, grandmom is definitely younger than she was, once was, uh, but I still think just in... The black community in particular, prayer is still very strong. So I think it still resonates, but it may be not at the level that it did once, you know, with uh, the previous era of grandmothers. But, you know, I wouldn't say that grandmothers don't pray anymore. Maybe not to the level that they once did, though. That may be some truth in that.
0: Yeah, they were speaking to the fact how we're at an alarming rate, a little bit more violent than we usually are, and they do to the less of prayers that our grandmothers used to have for us when we had to walk out on society issues. Well, it's interesting when you
1: talk about prayer because I was probably one of the skeptics who would say, you know, what good is prayer? But as I've thought more and more about my life and where I sort of ended up, I am the benefactor of my grandmother's prayers. So every prayer that she you know, put up, I think I've ultimately, i benefited as a result. So I think there is definitely power in prayer, but you know, some people are a little bit skeptical when we start talking about prayer, you know, because they look within, but I think prayer is definitely a very key element to uh, life in general.
0: There's something about prayer. You don't have to pray for yourself, but if someone's praying for you, it works just the same.
1: Absolutely. And my ex-wife did a lot of praying for me too. So I have to give her credit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: Do you have a vision
1: board? I do. I do. Actually, I have it on my phone and uh, I I see it pretty much every day. I tried to get it to the place where it was pretty much in my subconscious, where I'm not actually looking at it. But it's interesting, you know, people, again, we're talking about things that people just sort of put out there and we don't know if there is any validity. But I think uh, prayer uh, um, vision boards and prayer, uh, much like prayer. I've actually gone back and looked at my vision boards, and in fact, I've noticed that I did accomplish things that were on my vision board that I even forgot about. Uh, There was one particular car that I wanted, and it was on my vision board, a white car, same rims, but except it was a four door on my vision board, and I ended up getting the car, but as a two door. So the one thing about the vision board is you got to be very specific because you'll probably get it, but you got to know exactly what you're putting out into the universe as
0: well. That's great. You were able to reach your goals. I want you to break down two things for us today. We want to know what was the apex? What apex do you have on your vision board? If you can share that with us today and you already gave a goal that you reached. So we're happy that you were able to get the car, even though if it was a two door, but I want you to speak on to how you got it and what is your apex on your vision board?
1: Yeah, I think the the apex of my vision board is really the understanding of the order of God, family and work. And so my vision board really focuses on that order where I spent the majority of my life and career chasing Grammys and American Music Awards and Dove Awards and Stellar Awards and all those things that artists are sort of aspiring to accomplish. And somewhere in that process, I forgot the order of God, family, and work. And so um, we don't often realize that, you know, those things that we're aspiring to do, there is an order to it. So getting it is not the problem. It's always maintaining it. Anything created, you can have it. But the question becomes, can you maintain it? So I use the analogy, wife, mansion, Bentley. If you don't maintain it, you get divorced, foreclosed and reposed. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately I experienced all three of those things, uh, I think from just losing sight of the overall focus and the order. So, um, you know, how now uh, process or accomplish those things is really just staying grounded, uh, believing in God, faith, and and, I, and a lot of prayer, actually. So, um, you know, going back to the original point.
0: How early did you start goal setting? You
1: know, I think so. I was a very young father. Uh, I started out by the time I was 19. I was married with two kids. Now, right now, that sounds ridiculous. But at the time, you know, I did what I thought was the right thing. And I, I, I manned up and I took care of my responsibilities. So I've always been very responsible so my 19 was different from the average 19 year olds 19 so um you know i think with that it caused me to be very responsible and to set goals and so i joined the military um you know very early at 18 you know trying to take care of my family and that sort of thing so i think as a result it created a scenario where i actually set a lot of goals along the way and really just trying to maintain and keep the lights on for the most part, you know, so not really knowing what I was doing, but knowing that I needed to keep food on the table and, you know, clothes and, and shoes on their feet and that whole thing. And I think ultimately it led to my goal setting.
0: Being proactive after you have some situations happen where you're not taught to expect those things is very important. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, Definitely.
0: We talked about apexes. We talked about goal setting. We talked about you chasing Grammys and nominations. But can you tell us what did you sacrifice in that lifestyle?
1: Well, you know, really, you, you end up, you're sort of chasing like for example um, one of my goals I had three goals when I first got in the music industry one goal was to be able to afford to take my kids to Disneyland so no matter how much money it cost I could afford to take my kids to Disneyland another goal was to get a record company tour jacket because I saw my friend with one and I thought it was cool and the other goal was to call a record label and someone on the other end would answer and if they knew my name I felt like I was successful so in my process of you know, chasing this big dream of the music industry, uh, my kids were growing up and I was on tour and I was doing you know, different things and you know, I'm thinking, okay, they have pencils, they have shoes, they got backpacks, you know there's a roof over their head, they have food, so I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. Not realizing that ultimately I'm on this quest to be able to afford to take my kids to Disneyland. Well, it literally took me 20 years before I could afford to take my kid, where it didn't matter if it's, you know, 20,000, 30,000, let's go to Disneyland, mm-hmm. well, 20 years, by. I literally went to do a presentation at the GMWA, the Gospel Music Workshop of America, and uh, this was uh, 2008. I called my son up at the time, I think he was about 22, 23, and I said, yo, yo, let's go to Disneyland. The presentation was at Disney, Disney World, and I said, you know, I'm gonna pay for you to go, let's go, and he said, dad, I don't wanna go, I'm 20. And I was like, (laughs) wow. Like 20 years went by and I didn't even realize it. Somewhere in my mind, he was still three or four and I was on this quest to be able to afford to take him to Disneyland. And when I finally got to a place where I could afford it, he, he wasn't even interested in it. And so I went down and I did my presentation and I got back to my hotel room and I cried like a baby because I made it, but I made it by myself and that was never my goal. And so, um, you know, one thing I try to get across to artists now more so than anything, you know, it's one thing to have a number one record on the radio. It's another thing to get a toothache. You can't go to the dentist because you don't have insurance. And so you have to start to think about those things that are, you know, more important than just winning a dove award or a stellar award or whatever, whatever it is, you know, going platinum or winning the Grammy. So um, for me, the biggest lesson has just been that order of God, family, and work. Um, I wrote a book uh, called 10 steps to successfully managing recording artists. And in that book, I talked about, you know, 10 different things that I see as those important areas that would help you be a successful manager. But I forgot one important thing and that was the order of God, family, and work. And so I had to write another book called the 11th step I missed. Because I needed to go back in and fix the 10th step and add an 11th step. So I think for me now, a lot of what I do is really about just maintaining that order. Because again, getting it's not the problem. It's always maintaining it.
0: We are forever changing, making adjustments. And the fact that you notice those adjustments makes you the man you are today. But let's get a little deeper here, if you don't mind. Sure. Here, here we go. Your lowest moment. Not just talking about your lowest moment, but how you got out. Feeling like you don't know yourself.
1: Mm, That's interesting. Um, I went through a point of of depression, and I'll be honest. I think that um, the thing for me, I did not understand it as depression because the word depression was too clinical. So I didn't want to accept that word. I kept saying, hey, look, I'm just disappointed. But Mm. really, you know, I went through a divorce, you know, after 27 years of marriage and, you know, just a lot of stuff that changed. And so I started to feel... Like I was an imposter, like I was somehow, you know, not the person that people thought of me as because I felt like I just failed and I I didn't do what I believed I was supposed to do as it related to my family. But a lot of it was just me, you know, just not really understanding, you know, things that I needed to understand as they applied to the people around me and, and, you know, in my immediate circle. And so, you know, for example, my daughter called me up one day and she said, you know, she wanted to talk to me and she had some questions about you know sort of how i maintain things when she was a little girl or some things that she thought that i did incorrectly when she was a little girl so we had this really great conversation and i came to the realization that you know sometimes you're doing certain things and people externally they don't necessarily know why you're doing what you do but you think that you're making the best choices and the best decisions but you know sometimes it just doesn't translate in that way so almost it's almost like you're juggling glass balls and rubber balls and the the glass balls have all the little special sensitive things in it and then the rubber balls you know they're just kind of bouncing so you're hoping that you don't drop any of the glass balls and you're hoping that when you drop the rubber ball, it bounces right back up in place and everything keeps going. But it doesn't quite always work that way. And so for me now, you know, I'm just, I'm really honored that I've gotten to a place in my life where, you know, I could have really honest conversations because a lot of times people are not honest with themselves. They're not, you know, the thing that I've learned at this point in my career and life is number one, you got to be truthful with yourself and live your truth, whatever that is. And so not everyone is doing that. People are, you know, um, living in this sort of make believe fantasy world, but you got to be honest. And so that's, that's a big part of it. I believe
0: loving yourself is the best way to get yourself out of quicksand. They say you got to move slowly left and right, but you got to pay attention to every motion of who you are first, before you can save the person next to you.
1: Well, you have to know. So not everyone really knows who they are because they're spending so much time trying to be someone else and they're not really understanding who they really are. So that, you know, when you get to that place, it's a great place to be, because at that point, you kind of don't really care what other people think. And, you know, you figured it out and you kind of have things together. So it's it's a great place to be at that point, I believe.
0: How important is it to leave where you're from and rebranding yourself? You know, I've read
1: something once that said you should rebrand yourself every seven years or so. And so I think just that evolution, um, you can get a turn out of time, but you can't get time if it's not your turn. And so you gotta understand that part. And there's always an evolution and always a place of growth. And so for me, you know, I don't necessarily do it on purpose, but as I look back over my career, there has always been a point where i sort of rebranded myself and morphed into something else and something ultimately i think for me it's been about being greater than myself um, you know i teach uh, at SAE institute i teach the music business modules and the one thing that i've learned about teaching is that there's no way to live forever the only way that you can live forever is by touching the future and so i spend a lot of time really trying to impart wisdom and knowledge for youth um, or the ones coming behind me, because that's the only way you live forever. But I think, you know, ultimately, it all sort of works itself out if you keep things in proper perspective.
0: Touching the future. That's very interesting. Talk to me about fatherhood and mentorship, because that's definitely a way to touch the future.
1: Yeah, man, I, you know, of all my titles, you know, um, ambassador, uh, knight, Um, MBA, PhD, all of these different things, doctor, whatever titles I have, man, the one thing I've come to realize is the greatest title is dad. You know, one of the people ask me, they said, what's your best accomplishment or your greatest accomplishment? Uh, Last year in uh, September, I had the amazing honor to officiate my daughter's wedding. And I don't know if I can ever top that because that was just, you know, an, an amazing thing. And she would not take no for an answer i told her you know i don't want to mess your wedding up i've never done this before you know i don't don't want to do it she was like no no one else can do it better than my dad you're gonna officiate my wedding so i am so very thankful that she gave me the honor to do that and um you know being dad man that's that's the greatest title so I, i was talking to my son once and he said you know he said dad i'm thinking about managing artists you know um you know can you give me some advice on artist management and i said listen i don't want to put you off but you know at the time when i was at the height of my management career i wrote a book so this is going to give you the sensibility of what i think as far as management is concerned because i put it all in there at that point point. and he looked at me and he said you wrote a book <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even know he's like to him i'm just dad one day my daughter comes in the house he says dad you're on wikipedia and i'm like Okay, you know, but for them, they're like, listen, this is my dad that you know, in fact, just yesterday, my middle daughter called me up and said, I have to tell you this. And I said, what, what, what? She said, I went to an interview. And when I got in the interview, the guy said, I only know one person with that last name. Do you happen to know? a gentleman named Capricio she said yeah that's my dad and he went on telling her on and on about how much I helped him and done so much for him she said hey you have to give me the job so needless to say she got a job but it's just you know man just me being dad still leads back to all of that so you know dad is the most important uh, title of all.
0: Dad is the most important title of all and when we speak to the the fatherhood trend of what it is in terms sociably of what kind of fathers we are. It's not really matching up. There are a lot of good fathers out there, maybe not in the last generation when we had a lot of issues with staying home as parenting, but there are now a lot of good fathers out there trying to change the tide and trying to change the, the stigma. Should there be a basic training program amongst men, like a level of education outside of education Outside of the schooling system, like skill traits given throughout the community. And what I mean by that is if you have a neighbor who, unfortunately, no one in that house can read, should the community take it upon itself to make sure everybody's at an adequate reading level? Everyone can change a tire? You know, different things, even if you live in a city or, or country environment, should there be a basic level of education going on in our communities?
1: I mean, that sounds great. I'm not sure how realistic it is. I think, you know, just at the end of the day, people have to keep the lights on. So, um, you know, it's you don't have a whole lot of time for just those types of things that would be fairly simplistic. You know, you almost feel like, hey, man, you don't know that? Hey, you got to figure that out because I got to, you know, keep these lights on. So I don't know. I mean, I think that's a great idea, but I don't know how realistic it is just because the nuclear family is, is no longer, you know, the Lever to Beaver era and that sort of environment. You know, it's just not like that. I mean, you have to, both parents are working in most scenarios, you know, and then we have a lot of single uh, parents at homes as well. So, I, you know, I think that's a great idea. I'm just not sure how realistic it is.
0: It would be tough. I guess we have to establish and go to things that are already standing like churches, boys clubs, and things of that nature and put those in our communities. Sure, you, yeah. You spoke of your son. Let me ask you a question. How do I approach a man I have problems with? How do I establish the value? Well, you know what? I think the thing that I've learned more so now is there's this
1: thing that's called special interests. In my time at the UN, um, I've come to realize that you know I don't have permanent enemies; I just have permanent interests. And so, what you have to do is figure out where that commonality is. Where does that line of just you know how can we figure out what things appeal to you and what things appeal to me and find a neutral ground? And so. The one thing that I'm learning as I've gotten older is that it's about perspective. You know, if I talk to the big bad wolf, he's going to say, hey, man, they wrote me in the script to blow houses down. That's what I do. Don't be looking at me like I'm a bad guy. I, man, I blow houses down. However, if you talk to the three little pigs, they're going to say he's the dastardly villain. He was biting at my hooves. He forced us into this hay house. He forced us into this straw house. He forced us into this brick house. Can you kill him, please? We hate him it really just boils down the perspective and so if i sit with the three little pigs i'm gonna say you know what i see that mean old wolf yeah i get what you're saying if i talk to the big bad wolf i i get what he's saying too look man i just i eat pigs man that's what i do so i think um to your question it's a matter of just figuring out what you know what where the neutral ground is you know some people believe that um jesus came to align himself with the wolves and some people believe that Jesus came to protect the sheep. So you just got to figure out what we talking about here. And so I think that's, that's just really it. It's just a matter of like finding that middle ground and, um, you know, working from there.
0: You know, I have a three-year-old son and we are recently reading The Three Little Pigs. And, <laughs> I ne- and I never, never knew that at the end of the story, the wolf comes down the chimney, falls into a pot and they eat him for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> i was taken <laughs> back by that a little bit
1: <laughs> yeah yeah but that's you know it just, it's turnabout is fair play and so i think it's it's the law of reciprocity man you know what you put out is what you get back um we breathe out carbon dioxide for the trees the trees produce oxygen the whole universe is set on give and take and so if i go you know i'm gonna just breathe in all the air and i ain't giving nothing back guess what's gonna happen i'm gonna pass out i ain't gonna die from being stupid but I'm gonna pass out, and when I pass out, what's gonna happen? I'm gonna go. That's what it's all. About. <laughs> it's the wrong reciprocity, man. It's you know, you put out, you know, what you put out is what you get back. So you know, the the big bad wolf, we know how it ends ultimately, and that's kind of how it goes. I mean, you know. Even scriptural or biblical is kind of the same, you know. You can study with various religions, no matter which religion you study with. They may disagree on if there's a heaven, if there's a hell, if Jesus is the son of God, if there's a holy trinity. Oh, they're going to fight and brawl about that stuff. But the one thing they're going to agree on fundamentally is what you put out is what you get back. Now, they're going to fight on all the other stuff, but they will all agree in the law of reciprocity. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I think that's really the golden rule for the most part. Absolutely.
0: We talk about leaving a legacy, but we mostly ignore major steps. Do you have a will?
1: I do. Absolutely. But, and partially, I'm probably a little bit different in that regard because I spent you know, so much time in the military and that's something that the military really presses you on. So I may not have had a will otherwise, you know, if it weren't for the, the military, they, they definitely, you know, because of the sensitive nature of the job and how it could turn in the instance, you know, you you definitely have to have to have a, a living will in place. So that's probably more so why I do, but I'm glad I do.
0: Well, the amount of people that I interviewed do not. Most men, out of maybe 15 black men so far, it's only been 13. It's been 13 that did not have a will. And oh, one, yeah. of them, one of them expressed a will at a, as a will being a, a fun activity. So people should not look at it as a death sentence. It should be a fun activity that you can leave your family to make sure they work for certain things that you leave them. If you make it to college, I will give you this. If you graduate with your MBA, you get this out of what I'm leaving you. And maybe, that will ignite people to, in your family or whoever you leave it to, to better themselves and that last hoorah that you can give them to go forward? Yeah,
1: man, I'm disheartened to find, you know, people die and they have to have GoFundMe pages and bake sales. I mean, you know, you're talking about people are drinking a cup of Starbucks coffee, $5 a day, and, you know, you can have $15 a month, you can have some sort of insurance. Like, to me, that's you know and not to you know speak badly of of folks but unfortunately people are just not thinking you know about things like that which you know is really important so um you know for me you know and I look at my my father and not to talk negative about my dad but unfortunately my dad didn't really leave me anything in fact he left a bill my sisters and I ended up splitting a bill you know and it's just unfortunate but you know and I think it's probably more specific to the Black community, you know, we're just not—we haven't been taught in that way, at least not m- most of us, you know. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that doesn't apply to everyone, but I think, you know, it's just important that we start, and you got have to have—you have to start having those conversations because people act as if you're not gonna die. I mean, no one gets out alive, and I will tell you honestly, when Michael Jackson died, like that made death a reality to me. I'm like, Michael Jackson died. Like I know we all died <laughs> right. but Michael Jackson died like when, when Michael Jackson died I mean we can all think of exactly what we were doing the moment when we heard Michael Jackson died then that it literally stopped the entire world and so if Michael Jackson died we all die and so that means we got to start to think about that and it's a, it's a it's a harsh reality but it's something that you know I've definitely had the conversations with my children about you know how I want to be buried and you know being cremated or all you know those types of things is just you know it's it's an unfortunate they don't like trust me they're uncomfortable no no they one no one
0: likes them. that energy but it, no, it's, it's a guarantee i've yeah,
1: told them. listen my my insurance papers are in this drawer you know here's the information if you need and, and i i literally sent them all an email with instructions on where to find things i mean you, you just uh, you have to
0: do it it's it's an unfortunate it's a, reality it's only a one-time conversation that's it exactly
1: that's true, we had it one time, that was cool, and and they didn't wanna talk about it anymore, but
0: they just have the information they need to move forward. That's the love they have for you. Validation, let's talk validation. Validation if you have a partner. It's like you win a championship when you get a partner to take on life goals with you. If you're married, you have a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, but seldom do we remember to defend the title. You win in this championship, you present your best self, and then when you graduate to having that, we forget to defend the title. Talk to me about defending the title.
1: Well, man, I think, listen, there's three personifications of an individual. That's the public, the private, and the professional. I am ultimately trying to be 360 degrees in all those areas. So meaning, if you meet me publicly, professionally, or privately, you get the same person. So my students who know me professionally would say, man, that guy's on point. He knows what he's talking about he, you know he, he does this thing well uh, those same students who know me publicly or my colleagues would say okay he conducts himself in a certain manner he does you know XYZ he knows the stuff but my daughter or my son who, who knows me privately does what they say about me line up with the people who know me professionally and publicly and so to me if you're able to line up those things so that whether you meet me publicly professionally or privately still get the same person now i don't know if it's possible to get the whole 360 degrees i think you can get to 359 and the 60th is when you return to the creator but i think you can get pretty close and so for me in defending my title um it's just being consistent being the same person so whether you meet me publicly professionally because you know you meet that representative when you meet me publicly and professionally you get the representative but the people who know me probably they're going man he ain't nothing like what y'all think he is. No, I want to be the same person so that whether you know me in either way, you get the same person across the board. And that requires work, man. It's, you know, it's, it's it's hard to have a good reputation. It's easy to have a bad reputation. It's easy to run around and, you know, bust people out or do whatever. But having a great reputation, you got to work at it. So I pride myself on my reputation. I like to know what people say about me when I'm not in the room? Because people say all the great, wonderful stuff about you when you're in the room, but what do they say about you when you're not in the room? And so for me, to your question, I think it's just being consistency, man. Consistency and humility are the keys to success. Stay humble, stay consistent. And that's, you know, my motto is your floor is someone else's ceiling. Always be appreciative for where you are, but never stop trying to get to the next floor. And so I stay humble and I stay consistent.
0: Shout out to the people that speak your name when you're not in the room in a positive way. Those are your Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because they'll talk about you quickly if you're not in the room. But, you know, I, I generally
1: hear that people say good things about me. And, you know, not everyone, of course, they, they talked about Jesus. So people are going to criticize you. So it's not that you won't face any criticism or adversity. But I think, you know, if you work on your presentation and work on your, you know, how people how people see you, I think that's important. At least it is for me. It matters. It matters to me
0: you are definitely rolling me along in my questions fairly simple because my next question was a percentage question i came up with something called operating at 100 percent you just spoke of operating at 360 or 359 and returning back to the creator this is what i came up with it's a daily affirmation to operate at 100 percent then judging yourself within a seven day 14 14 day or 30 day period whether how you feel for me it would be i judge myself in purpose health confidence, money, and knowledge. And I split those five topics in between 100%, saying that each one will represent 20%, right? And add up to 100 on a, yeah. on, a, on a basic level. Because when you dig, when you start to dig deeper, you want to curve some of the percentages to your weakest points to make sure you focus on what you need to be better at. But let's say I gave you purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. And a percentage going up to 100 within your last 24 hours, do you think you operated 20% in purpose, 20% in health, 20% in confidence, 20% in money, and 20% in knowledge? And retaining knowledge, I mean retaining new knowledge. Purpose mean doing in your purpose whatever it is you do that you are living in your purpose your health eating well exercising exercising your mind taking some mental space confidence that you did it all with confidence because you're living in your purpose and money could be you paid a bill or you made a little money well i think
1: to your question if i may skew a little bit outside of it i think um the first thing is that i don't focus on the things that i'm not good at some some people try to become better at things that that listen i just find people that are good at those things and i find a way to merge myself with those people that are better at it than i am so i don't think that you necessarily have to try to be the best at everything you just figure out what you're good at and the things that you're not good at find people that work with you in 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 that area um to your your question i sort of have it as i look at it like a car right and there's four five wheels there's the four wheels that are on the road and there's the wheel that's in your hand right um so one wheel is faith Um, one will is family, one will is work, one will is knowledge and skill set, and the will that you're holding is is health, Um, and what I find is that people may be, you know, strong in faith, or they may be strong in skill set, but they're not focused on, you know, the health, their cardiovascular activity, or they may be doing a lot of cardiovascular activity, but they're not doing anything to build their knowledge or their skill set, or they're not dealing with their family, or doing, so in order for me to maintain the balance of my car, you know, you could certainly drive a car on a flat, but it's not gonna go very far or the ride is gonna be real messed up trying to drive on a flat. And so I've tried to focus on keeping those wheels all evenly balanced and, you know, in order. And so that's not always an easy thing to do, but I think there's people who have tapped in, people that we aspire to to be like, um, you know, the the, the Will Smiths and the, the, you know, whoever of the world, We look at those people and we sort of aspire to be like them, but they tapped in at a certain level and a frequency and they sort of resonate there. And so what I've been trying to learn to do and my challenge has been I've tapped in at a very high frequency, but I don't always stay there because of things that are around people that are around me, things that are happening. It's sort of the adage, you know, if you hang around six broke people, you're going to be number seven. So I try to surround myself with the right kinds of people so that when I tap into that frequency, I can stay there. So that's really my challenge now is learning how to stay at that frequency, like always be there. And it's, you know, it's an ongoing thing and it's not easy, but but I think, uh, again, it's definitely possible. But again, it's it's all about how you think, you know, and, um, you know, as,
0: as a man, think of, so is he, right? So
1: it's all 100%. about how you
0: think. What you put into the universe, exactly what you get back <laughs> Yeah.
1: To. And it's also about um, commitment. So we people talk about, you know, I had a student once that said to me, you know, I'm passionate. I'm passionate. I say, hey, listen, man, passion is not enough. You got to be commission- committed. He said, no, if I'm passionate, I'm committed. I say, hey, man, passion and commitment are different. He said, no, if I'm passionate, I'm committed. And we went round and about about 40 like minutes in class of me trying to get across to this kid how there's a difference between passion and commitment and I quite frankly I couldn't get across to him how there was a difference and so I went home that night and I was sitting on my couch I was a little perplexed because I figured man I kind of fell short of relaying this point to this student and I was thinking man how do I get across to this student and a thought came to me and the thought was if passion were a substitute for commitment there would not be so many fatherless children and I said whoa passion one night of passion versus a lifetime of commitment. Passion and commitment are two different things. So when I got back to class the next day, I was like, yo, if passion was substitute for commitment, there would not be so many fatherless children. And he looked and I, he was like, ah, ah, ah. So Passion and commitment, two different things. So you can be passionate for one night, but can you be committed for that 18 years, or 24, however long it takes you to raise that child? That's the difference. So there's a difference between passion and commitment. And most people talk about, oh, I'm passionate. I love my, I'm so passionate, but passion is not enough. Not only must you be passionate, you also have to be
0: committed as well. Not sustaining. Passion is not sustaining. Things change and terrains look different, but you better be committed to your path and have a routine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I have one more question for you. With yes, all sir. the knowledge you obtained throughout your life, I want you to take all that knowledge right now, all your moments and give me an answer to this one. When, when should a man get serious about a woman
1: oh my god that's an excellent question man let me tell you something as i mentioned to you i got married at 19 so i stayed married for 27 years um you know if i had to do it all over again man and some people are not gonna like this answer but i don't believe a man should be married before 30 or 35 now i'm just adding 35 to just give it a little cushion but I don't really think a man should be married before 30. That's just, uh, you know, based on just some of my experiences in life and people that I've encountered and the conversations that I've, you know, had with other men. um, You know, I I just don't know that we as men figured out. Women are far more advanced and just intuitive in certain areas uh, as it relates to relationships. Um, And typically, you know, most women are, from what I understand, about seven years ahead of men in terms of that development portion as well so I just you know I think it's about 30 man I, you know and I, I really think 35 but I you know I, I'll give it the 30 to skew it a little bit you know uh less but I think it's, let's uh, let's think
0: dive in let's dive into that for a few moments let's say 35 let's go <laughs> to 35. You said women develop faster, which is about seven years. So we're actually leaning towards that a man should marry a woman who is seven years young, his, his young younger than him because she might be ready for the same thing. She's ready. And we're saying 35 is enough time for a man to accumulate a foundation to which he can bring something yeah. to the table rather than trying to be someone's potential. Right. Right. Talk to me real quick. Talk to me about potential. How important it is for women to not date potential? Well,
1: I think, you know, we talk about that and I think women women tend to do that all the time. Um, you know, it's it's based on how we see things, right? Men, we love with our eyes and women love with their hearts. That's why men lie and women wear makeup, right? So <laughs> it's a different approach in how we actually look at things as it relates to, to love. Um, But I think, you know, there's a lot of women that are dating potential, but unfortunately some of those things, you know, like, for example, my wife early, you know, we were married, she's 20, I'm 19, that's a little bit different, we're sort of growing together, but even in that regard, you know, we just were too young to even really understand the level and the magnitude, I mean, my kids, they grew up with me, we we would have competitions on who could bring the most A's home on our report cards, you know, literally, because I was in college and they were in school, and so, I just think that, you know, and this is probably, this is gonna be a little touchy, but, but, but bear with me for a second because I think this is important. And it's not all about, about cheating and those types of things, but um, I haven't met any married men who don't cheat. And if I do, hold on, they fall into one of three categories, right? Either they have the fear of God, something that keeps them spiritually grounded. Number two, they're on the second wife because they messed up the first time. Or number three, they're in the first five years of their marriage. And so I don't know what that's all about, but I think there's a lot in there in terms of the growth of a man and just his level of understanding as it relates to maintaining that household. Now, some people are not going to like that and, you know, it beat me up now, but I just, that's been my experience. If I meet a man who's married, they fall into that, who does not cheat, they fall into one of three categories. The fear of God, something that keeps them spiritually grounded. Two, they're on the second wife, which that's where I'm going to be in this next phase because they messed up the first time. Or three, they're in the first five years of their marriage. So I think, you know, a lot of that, man, is just it's, it's just a growth thing. And I, I don't think we're even ready for most men. You know, if we talk about our brain is not even fully developed until we're 25, if that's true, then I just don't even think most men have a clue before 30, 35. Let, let,
0: let, me, let me go deeper with that. We talked about... I got you. I got you. No, no. I, 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 like, I, like, well, I like where this is going because I have so many thoughts about what you're saying. And I, I agree with you on many of those thoughts. Well, I talked... I, now that I'm getting older, I realize how living out of the States, living abroad, I realize that maybe that sex is pushed on us too much in terms of being the piece of the pie that keeps you in a relationship and keeps you out of a relationship that makes you want to walk away when someone has a sexual infraction. How important mm. is sex really when you developed a relationship with someone?
1: Man, I, if I had it to do all over again, man, I would wish that I just never had sex before I got married. And I know that sounds cheesy as heck, but if you look at it scripturally in terms of biblically, it makes perfect sense why God or why it says in the Bible to practice abstinence. You know, you are talking about avoiding, you know, all sorts of diseases and just, you know, things just the the the. um what's the word i'm looking for the, the 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 spiritual ties the soul ties you know these different things that you don't really even understand until you know until you sort of get a little older and you start to understand how things work and just how the the universe works you know so i think you know i i, I would definitely agree with that perspective you know if i had it to do all over again i would certainly have waited until i got you know much older because you know my kids it's things like imparting wisdom And, you know, just knowledge and things that I did not even know because I was just a kid myself in essence. So I think, you know, I mean, although we know sex is great in terms of it feels great, but, you know, it's it's not it's about way more than that. And you're you're (laughs) connecting. Yeah. Passion. Right. You're connecting yourself to someone for for a lifetime. You know, in a lot of cases, especially when children are involved, you know, it's you know, it's it's. It's a lot to it, man, and I, I wish, you know, but a lot of that comes from, you know, just the absent fathers and or, or just people that are not giving you the proper guidance, and I think ultimately, you know, if I had to do all over again, that's something
0: that I wish that I had in terms of insight. Thank you, sir. You are now a part of the Silhouette Boys Club. It is people like you who move in the shadows to help people like me shine. We wanna thank you for coming on the show today. Please give us a shout out to any information you would like to give out today, especially about your first book and your second book.
1: Yeah, so I can be reached on all platforms. I'm at Capricio, spelled C-A-P-P-R-I-C-C-I-E-O. Now baby, tell me what you wanna do with me, Gabby. <laughs> I'm Capriccio on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm very accessible. Um, certainly reach out. I, I love to hear from you. I, I do respond, so I appreciate your time. And thank you for this opportunity. And hopefully, you know, we can reach some folks and and, and hopefully some things that I said
0: made sense. Everything you made said made sense to me. Uh, we think on a, the same wavelength with many things, especially how you feel about the 35-year-old and just going through life and understanding yeah i i 100 understand that that's why when i see some men marry younger i understand it so to- yeah totality yeah. Before so you yeah, know, I'm in
1: wife mode now, man. So I'm in wife mode now. So I'm, I'm looking at it from a whole different perspective now. So, you know, the man, see, well, one thing that we don't often hear, we hear the scripture that says the man who finds a woman finds a good thing, but we never hear the other part of it. And it says, and with favor with the Lord. And so, um, you know, not only do you find a good thing, but you also ascertain favor. So
0: You make me want to ask you one more question before you go. <laughs> before you go, how do you feel about the phrase or the term Happy wife, happy life. Yeah, man, the smart man,
1: that's very true. Absolutely, yeah. So listen, it's really about exalting the woman and and really putting her in, because listen, if you take care of her, she's gonna execute and respond and reciprocate, and life is just much better. I mean, the one thing I know is, you know, we talk about, they say, you know, behind a good man is a good woman or whatever, but really, if you're standing back to back, she's looking in that direction and you're looking forward she is in another place that you can't see so she's at your back but she's face forward so um i think that you know having that woman to to because they can see things and, and and their intuition is far greater than ours so the way that they move and they see things is much different you know i i don't know that barack doesn't become barack without having the great michelle for sure it just doesn't happen for sure
0: before you go, we like to get a referral, someone you could think about that can come on the show and give some intuition and give some gems for us. Do you have a name you can give a referral to, Mr. Scott? You know what? I think uh, I'm thinking of my, my, my good friend
1: Jawor. Uh, I, I would like to refer him. I think he would be great for this
0: type of conversation. Great. Well, Jawar, I hope you are listening. We will be in your DMs <laughs> seeing we can set that up for us today. Absolutely. So thank you, Mr. Scats. We appreciate you today. We thank you for coming on. You will see us out there giving out information and gems through you.
1: Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. And thank you for all the viewers and listeners. No problem.